That Saturday, the 25th of April, would have been Wynne's birthday. Frances was distracted by her memory all day long. And as evening fell, she grew even more restless, sitting in the front room with her mother after supper, Davy drowsing in her lap. It was well past the time that his mother, Caris, might be expected to turn up to collect him. She would just leave him with Francis. She'd done so many times before. Davy was small for his six years, but even so, his weight pressed down on Francis, and he radiated heat until she began to sweat and feel suffocated. It was impossible to think, with that and the wireless muttering, and her mother tutting as she struggled to mend a shirt by the light of a single lamp turned down low. She refused to use the overhead lights during the blackout, even though Francis's father had made sure of their precautions. The room began to crowd in on Francis. Too hot, too close, too populous. She looked down at Davy's face, drooping softly in sleep. The skin of his eyelids was pale lilac with a waxy sheen, and Francis felt a familiar tug of dismay. He always looked so worn out. I might go out for a bit of fresh air, she said, shifting her position, trying to ease Davy's weight against her thighs and ribs. Her mother, Susan, looked up sharply. What, now? she said, sounding worried. But it's almost bedtime. I'm not tired. Well, I am. And, you know, Davy will wake up as soon as you move in spite of his medicine. You can't just go off and leave him with me. And I bet Caris is in no fit state by now, she said. Frances stifled a desperate feeling, the need to escape. She struggled up out of her chair. Davy stirred, rubbing his face against her shoulder. It's all right. Go back to sleep, she whispered to him. No, I expect you're right about Caris. He can't go home. I'll take him along to the Landies, she told her mother. They'll be up for hours yet. Susan gave her a disapproving look. It's not right, you know, passing him around, pillar to post. I just... I just can't breathe. I have to get some air. Davy was squirming by the time she got up the hill to the Landies, pressing his knuckles into his eyes. Francis felt his ribs each no thicker than a pencil, fanning against her own as he yawned. Hush, hush, she told him. You're going to sit with Mr and Mrs Landy for a while. You'll like that, won't you? She'll give you a cup of cocoa, I bet. Davy shook his head. Stay with you, he said very quietly, as Mrs Landy opened the door. She was in her housecoat, with her white hair up in rollers, but she smiled when she saw them. She and her husband had no children of their own, no grandchildren. Is it all right, just for a couple of hours? said Francis. Of course it's all right, said Mrs Landy. Come on in, my little lamb. You can let him stop here with us if it gets very late, Francis. It's no bother. Thank you. He's had supper and his dose. Francis, said Davy, still groggy. He didn't say anything else, but Francis knew it was a protest. There's a good boy, 
she said guiltily. As the door closed, she caught a final glimpse of his face. Pale, bewildered, dark shadows under his eyes as he struggled to focus them on her. Later she would be tormented by that last look he gave her, and by the ease with which she set her guilt aside. How easily she abandoned him there. But it was Wynne's birthday, and Francis needed to breathe. She climbed to the top of Beech and Cliff, high above Bath, and sat on a bench looking down at the dark city. She'd come to love the peace and solitude of the blackout, the way that, if you let your eyes get used to it and didn't carry a torch, nobody would even know you were there. You could be completely invisible. She wasn't the only one to make use of it. She was often aware of hushed voices in the park, the furtive movements and snatched breaths of courting couples. Francis liked the silhouettes of things against the gauzy sky, and the way sounds and scents seemed sharper. In daylight, she didn't notice the musky horse chestnut blossoms, or the too sweet lilacs, or the damp smells of grass and earth in the park. So different to the stone, soot and people smells of the streets below. She felt no danger, except perhaps the same faint frisson they all felt. Every night, the possibility of a danger that seemed remote. She looked down and imagined how other people were spending their Saturday nights. All those lives, loves and arguments, all that talk going on and on. It was a relief to step away from it.